Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Vanity Fair. I like some of this muesli. It's delicious. Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson. I'm Hilary Busis. And I'm Chris Murphy. And we're here to discuss the fifth episode of season six of the Netflix series The Crown called Will's Mania. Prince William is officially a sensation. The world is gripped by Will's Mania. Later, we're going to hear from William's dad himself, actor Dominic West, who plays Prince Charles. He's going to be stopping by the show. Um, But before we get into the episode, we should do some housekeeping. Uh, So this is the start of part two of the final season of The Crown. Episodes five, six, and seven are available uh, on your podcast feed. Uh, And next week, you'll see episodes eight, nine, and ten dropping at the same time. So if you're binge watching, keep watching this space. We will have coverage of every episode of this season. But yes, just so you know, five, six, and seven are available now. Eight, nine, ten next week. All right, back to Will's mania. Let's do a quick recap. Prince William is back at Eton and is adjusting to life after the death of his mother. Everyone's being so weird. Actually, I was going to say kind. That's what's weird. How kind everyone's being. The young prince struggles with his newfound status as teen heartthrob and his relationship with his dad, Prince Charles. Getting angry and refusing to go out there when they're already waiting is not the way to endear yourself. I'm not the one who needs to endear myself. I'm not the one with the image problem. The tension between William and Charles brews, leading to some pretty harsh accusations. We both know you struggled being upstaged. Nonsense. It's true. All those games of one-upmanship you and Mummy used to play. Stories in the press. Stealing each other's headlines. You always tried to outshine one another. No one ever outshone your mother. You think I'm just like her. And you hate me for it. And it's Prince Philip, of all people, who finds a way to mend the emotional wounds. And one day... When you're a father and your own son is staring at you with murderous eyes and you're praying for his forgiveness as your father is currently praying for yours, maybe you'll remember this chat. 
I want to start our recapping by just looking at a picture of Prince William now. Like this yeah. is this is what he looks. This yeah, is there what should he looks be like sad now. music playing under this. <laughs> yeah. like a dirge. There should. I mean, you know, I don't want to say any. I don't, I don't want to like disparage a, a male uh, a male pattern baldness. Yeah. Uh, the baldness that, isn't really the problem. It's, it, it's part of a problem. I mean, look, there are plenty of very handsome bald men, but um, <laughs> that's William. Also fair. I hope voted, to be one someday. But. He was voted the number one most handsome bald man in the world. Apparently, I oh, get yeah. emails about that all the time. <laughs> Is the from most... Prince Charles, like <laughs> who just wants you to know. Jason, Jason Statham's weeping. I know somewhere. Stanley Tucci somewhere <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. sobbing. But just I think it's important to like see where he is now, and then think back. Like he was such a heartthrob. Like in in my youth and your youth, Richard. Yeah. You, and and as we have said a thousand times, Chris is very young, and I'm taking your word for it. Yeah. And I believe this episode <laughs> did make me believe it. Yeah. Will's yeah. mania, I was totally in He it. was so cute. He seemed so, you know, his Brooding. heart was broken. I loved the scene of all the girls writing him letters. Like, I can help you. I know how sad you are. Like, that, if it's, it's like a perfect storm for, like, mm-hmm. a cute boy who's sad. Like, yeah. is there anything better when you're, like, 12? That was a good device mm-hmm. to kind of situate William alone at school, stared at by people, you know, screamed at by strangers, whatever. Um, I just wanted more of him at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted more of the kind of well, as prep our school boarding drama. school yeah, correspondent. I'm sure things were absolutely crazy as <laughs> someone who went yeah. to boarding school. I will say that. So for me, more than the girls' letters, it was the boys' letters. Like the other yeah. boys were being like, I'm in your house, we're on the water polo team together, like that sort of rallying around him. It must have been, you know, having been in an environment like that, there is a real camaraderie there. And there are interesting stories to tell, I'm sure. But I'm wondering if we're going to get school at at. Uh, St. Andrews. At St. Andrews. If they're saving school for yeah. that. Well, that is right. where he and Kate are going to meet. Yeah, right. more so than Eaton. Um, but, yeah, I would have... I, I Again, Charles, uh, all well and good, but I would have enjoyed some more school If school you days. were writing a letter to your famous crush, would <laughs> you say... You must have a good body from all those sports you play, or whatever that one girl wrote. I mean, good for Saucy. her. Saucy, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that that definitely um, has as somebody who was a teenage girl in the early aughts. That's exactly how we talk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. It yeah. feels it feels real. It feels authentic. I say, shoot your shot, girl. You don't know. No, it really was like a phenomenon that that is easy to forget about just because so much has happened with the royals, and also because attention eventually shifted so heavily to Harry mm-hmm. because of his antics, but also because he was like becoming the cuter one, I suppose, if you want to be cruel about it. But yeah, I mean, I think that this episode did a good job of capturing that. We had said, I think, last episode that this show was about to do a big time jump. They didn't. Okay, really. again, I was so confused because he's in the episode, not St. Andrews. He's eaten for the first yeah. like it's a six year. Minutes. It's a year later. Is yeah. it even a year? I thought it's, he just went back. To it's nineteen ninety eight. Okay, but he they mentioned that he went back to school straight after the funeral. Yes, and then we when he goes to Canada, I believe that is ninety eight. Okay. so it is so I one mean, year has passed, yeah. and that's why he looks so goddamn old because they changed <laughs> <laughs> actors, and I was confused yet again. It is like when we're going from Claire Foy to Olivia Colman, but only a couple of years have passed in the year, yeah. in the time of the show. And it's like, oh, she's gotten 20 years older, and that's just something <laughs> yeah. we're going to all accept. And with Harry, too, I was thrown for a loop, but then once I caught on, I was like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm on board. But mm-hmm. he was really, really sort of like a dreamboat. I guess mm-hmm. he was dreamboat. Yeah. He looked a lot yeah. like Diana. Yeah, He looked a lot like Diana, and he had... You know, there was a mystique about him because we didn't really know anything. about. I think at that point, like, I remember the first time I heard 
Prince William or Prince Harry speak. I think there was an interview when he got engaged to Kat, to Kate Middleton. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's what he sounds like. Because previous to that, he was just pictures or or I guess. Were you about to call her Catherine? Are you, are you so proper? <laughs> well, I mean, we, I am also a party supply heiress and I try to <laughs> try to uh, honor. Show respect. Our, yeah, yeah. I think it's an I, I think that Will's mania, as the episode is titled, needed to be shown. Yes. Mm-hmm. You need sure. that. You need that context, I think, yeah. before you get into his adulthood, mm-hmm. yeah, or and even it, his college years. Because I think what what this episode does well is it establishes the tension between. Obviously, the public was obsessed with the royals to an even higher degree around Diana's death. And then it went right into Will's mania because there were so many photos of him. And it was like, wait a second. He's like a cute mm-hmm. person. And he's and a teenager. He's 16, and I'm a teenager. Yeah. And yeah. Oh like, my whatever. God. Yeah. But it's crazy that that public grief shifted so quickly into an obsession in a kind of fun, teeny bop way. Mm-hmm. And of course, at the center of it, William, it's making him even more miserable than he would have otherwise been. You know? And we know, probably from Katie Nichols' book, probably from tons of reporting, he hated the attention. It's yeah. very clear that he hated it from the episode and that he's not Diana and that he's nothing like her, which I was like, Peter Morgan, we're going a little bit hard on Will. It's like, <laughs> Diana's so lovely. It's like to be like, he's not like his mother. He hates attention. He can't handle it. I, I felt a little like bad for him. I mean, I mean, if this season of The Crown is any indication, though, I think that the pendulum will swing way back in Will's favor because he is the one. heir to the throne. Yeah. And Peter Morgan, as we know, has a, a very pro-Charles slant. Yeah. I would find it hard to—we're not going to see the whole Harry and William drama play out. I think we're we're pretty, that, we're pretty clear on that. That, I believe, is that. true. Yeah, yeah. they're um, But you can see even from this early— stage when they're both teenagers, like the tension starting to be built. And, you know, Harry is already kind of a bad boy. He's, you know, sneaking drinks. Will. He's yeah. like, when he said, like, nobody ever thirsts over a redhead. You know, he's lined up some official visits for us tomorrow. Who? Paul. Oh, yeah, I heard. A school for the deaf in the morning. And a tour of some space center in the afternoon. He assured me they'd be shutting the place down to keep the girls out. I'm just jealous. In the history of humankind, no one has ever screamed for someone with red hair. Well, (laughs) just you wait, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Wait till your 20s hit and then everything's going to change for you. But I found myself, and again, I'm not a royalist. I'm not that involved in the royal family. But I found myself being sad about what I've read about the state of the relationship today, seeing their friendship and camaraderie. Which is something that that comes through a lot in Harry's book also is, um, which I have read, like, there's a lot of anger toward William, but also, like, in this time, like, the only person who understood what the other one was going through was his brother. Mm-hmm. And they were so close in age. They had this shared, incredibly traumatic, very public experience. Um, obviously, I don't know any of these people, <laughs> as do none of us. But it is sad to think of that bond being ruined mm-hmm. because you do see, like, they have a real connection yeah, in the a past. A real brotherly connection. Yeah. And I, I will say it is interesting, not before we leave Harry, if we do leave Harry, they are setting the groundwork for him being a wild and crazy kid yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. with those gin and tonics and the drinking through the teacup. And he's, he's young. He's like He's 14. like 14, 15, yeah. yeah. I mean, are we going to get the Nazi costume? Who knows? Yeah. But, we can but I think, only hope. I know, I really, we have to see it. Yeah. The tension between William and Harry, as I understand it, actually does kind of at least— uh, on the Crown's version of it, echo the tension of 
you know, Elizabeth and Margaret. Right. Where like it's one is the clear, dutiful yeah. whatever, sibling and the other rebels in their own way mm-hmm. and then but has to come back because that's their only identity. I don't know that Harry yeah. will ever go back. And but. the elder, you know, envies the younger for getting mm-hmm. to be free and do whatever they want. And the younger mm-hmm. obviously envies the elder because, you know, they can do no wrong and they're perfect and yeah. nobody cares about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we feel like an episode called Will's Mania that does focus on that, but do, I didn't love that it then became a meditation on the sins of fatherhood and Prince Philip gets another laundering. Like, to well, What's weird is that it, it has him like saying, like, ah, oh, yes, I haven't always been the best father, but we don't know what sins he's atoning for. No. Like, the show mm-hmm. doesn't bother right. Just that getting he's, like, into cold. That. Like, yeah. He was strict and cold. That's what I sort of interpret that as. But even on the show, we never, I mean, we never saw him being a father, which is, I guess, the problem in mm-hmm. large part. You know, Mountbatten was kind of Charles's uh, mentor, and then he got blown up in Ireland. Yes, yes, I did watch that episode. Um, we should also talk about Camilla, played by the great Olivia Williams. Obviously, she's going to probably be more in the picture as this season winds down, because she, you know, eventually, I don't know, if she lives with the king now. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> what do we think of her kind of parenting style versus Charles's? Camilla to me seems like the only girl in the room who gets it. Like she right. seems to be the sensible, the actual, what they're trying to make us believe Charles was, the proxy for the outside world and someone who's connected to both the royals and the people. Camilla seems like more of an actual person, although she, of course she's landed gentry, she's mm-hmm. British nobility mm-hmm. basically, but she seems to have a good head on her shoulders and it seems like the crown feels like, yeah, she wasn't Diana, but she had a lot to offer yeah. and she kept Charles in line. Or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wish that we... I don't know if there's time at this point in the series, but it would be nice to get a Camilla episode, right? Like, yeah. kind of learn yeah. more like about what... dedicated Yeah, what, what makes her tick. Like, she is, you know, famous in, like, the British imagination at this period as the mistress. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's as well known among the people that, like, she and Charles had been in love, like, since they were the age almost that William is now in the present day of this episode. And, like... The show has also not taken very much time to kind of flesh her out beyond, like, that she understands Charles better, that she is, you know— uh, I mean, Diana was also, like, very high-born, but that mm-hmm. Camilla, like, uh, enjoys the same things as him. Hunting they, and yeah, hounds. And... That they, that they <laughs> yes. share, you know, a love of the opera and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. She's smart. She's sort of smart right. she's well, She's well-read. She's worldly. Popular. She's sophisticated, yes, yeah. Exactly. Um, that she has, yeah, this sensibility that meshes with his. Like, we get that, but I, I would like to see her more kind of— I, I'm very curious, like, what's her life like right now? She's yeah. just kind of waiting for it to be— acceptable for her to finally be with the man that she's essentially been in a relationship with now for what like 20 years yeah 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 at least and yeah. that's that's wild yeah like, what does no. she do all day because they, they they both knew the, everyone knew you cannot do this now you yeah. have to wait again like you, you you thought you were free of it and you were finally going to be able to be together in public nope sorry nope. gotta wait another couple Not of years the time yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah even though the public knew probably that it was happening i mean i think that i think another reason why i'd like to see a camilla episode is that because like later when all of this sort of drama is happening with the kids with with you know william and harry and all that stuff like and and the wives and whatever like I, I, camilla i think was an easy scapegoat i heard a lot of people being like oh well camilla's the one who hates Meghan markle and mm-hmm. camilla's the one who did this and did said Evil that you know. oh yeah exactly. that's, a, that's a classic trope yeah and like i don't know any of that to be true but i also just think that like maybe if we're gonna if we're in the business of humanizing these freaks <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> let's let's give her that chance too. And Olivia Williams is such a good actor. So yeah. yeah. And I guess the, I guess the episode does that to some degree with her being you know talking to Charles like ah oh, like this is how you parent a, a teenager, which mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, but yeah, it's a, it's just a taste. Mm-hmm. In a in a show that does not have a lot of subtlety, it, her appearance is actually probably the maybe, most subtle, yeah, nuanced, yeah, the part of this episode. Yeah, and sure. something that could stand to be fleshed out more. I will say I did do a, a heavy eye roll once we got Prince Philip looking at the footage of him. And <laughs> his Super 8. His Super 8 yeah. and, you know, the the old footage, which, again, I, I get we're storytelling, we're creating a narrative, and it became about Charles being jealous of Will and, you know, father to the son, the sins mm-hmm. of the father and son. But I, again, because there is sort of no precedent for it, and when we think about parenting, on the show, it's really about the queen. Like, Charles is always complaining about the queen mm-hmm. and about how she was mother to the country, not mother to him. So sort of shoehorning Prince Philip. And maybe he did bridge the gap between Will and Charles mm-hmm. back in the day post-Diana. But it felt a little like, well, you know, Jonathan Price is sitting here and he's on the call we sheet. Gotta, so we, we got to have a scene with him. Let's get him right. in, let's get him right. in here. This is as good a place as any. It felt yeah. a little random to me. No, I think, I think that's fair, yeah. Um, although it is kind of funny. Like, of course, it's always the mother's fault, regardless. <laughs> I, yeah, I true. I wanted to talk about that because uh, when I realized where Philip was going, I was like, oh, no, you don't. Come on, man. Like, like it's not – oh, secretly William is actually mad at his mom for being there and putting herself in that – and it was just like – That like, felt like very royalist laundering. Yeah, yeah, 100%, you know, and like I think that this episode does – at times, mostly with Will, but a little with Charles, too, it does show that being a royal in the modern day is probably just kind of miserable. Yeah. You're alienated from your family members. You're alienated from yourself in some you ways. You can't have real friends. Right, yeah. right. So I was like, okay, this is actually pretty critical of this. But then to have the sort of scenes with like reconciliation with Charles, Prince Philip, you know, kind of being like, well, actually, it's the lady's fault. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like... That, that's where I felt the episode kind of straying into something I didn't want it to be, where I was like, I really just wanted this to be about William's development, which we got some of, but I feel like then Peter Morgan was like, but let's talk about dads. Yeah, yeah. and it also seems difficult to believe that, you know, Charles and William would have this one conversation one year after Diana died, and then William would just, like, be totally cool with him forever. And, like, yeah. give him a long, lingering hug, yeah. But the fact that she was in Paris? Her choice. With that man, those people. Again, her choice. Without any royal protection. That was not my doing. I always said she needed police protection. But she should never have been anywhere near the fireheads. She should have been safe with us, and the fact that she wasn't is your fault. And no, you you didn't actually drive the car, but you drove her into the arms of those that did. By making her so unhappy. By loving someone else. I've seen this critique. I think Anna Peel, actually, who wrote our big Vanity Fair Real Housewives expose, tweeted this. Or I've seen this critique online that the crown went from all subtext to all text. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that scene— <laughs> Charles a, saying, I wish I had your mother's emotional intelligence. And, and William being like, it's your fault that she was with— Do- right. That yeah, feels right. like that all of that was probably mm-hmm. never actually said. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's more entertaining, and I like a little melodrama, mm-hmm. obviously. But it strained credulity so much that I found it like almost sort of not funny, but it was a little— comical in terms of like them having this like knockout well, it's, it's drag talk, out it's talking points it's, it's talking not points. yeah actual dialogue no it's not it didn't feel authentic to what their situation how they would have responded to each other i also felt like 
we could have just had an episode at Eaton, you know, mm-hmm. like there was an episode where Charles goes away to, to Wales or something as a when he's played by Josh O'Connor. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a standalone episode for him. And I feel like we could have gotten that with William without having, you know, the family coming into the picture, especially because we had the conniving gay guy from the Gilded Age playing the, the, head, <laughs> the, of, nice Dr. the head of Gailey. house. Yeah. I think his name is Dr. Gailey. And That's I was like, funny. <laughs> so any any emotional exposition could be done through that character. We yeah. don't need Charles showing up, you know. And do you think that that was a conscious choice because like the public doesn't really know that much about? his life in that period and Peter Morgan didn't want to speculate? Well, I mean, I think it could be that. It could be because, as Chris said, we have these expensive actors mm-hmm. on the payroll. <laughs> like, let's use them. I don't know. I, I think that I think maybe the more diffuse the story, because obviously the four Diana episodes are like, we know exactly how to tell that story. Yes. And now they're kind of like in Game of Thrones territory where like, oh, we ran out of books. I mean, obviously they know they know what happened to the royals, but I think that they, because they have to do more speculation. And, well, and it's the Game of Thrones thing too yeah. of like, we have all of these people in all yeah. of these different places. And, and we, we have want... to get them together somehow yeah. or, or have. So I think that basically they're just like, we can't let these last few episodes get really scattered. You know, mm-hmm. we can't be away from the family mm-hmm. core yeah. for longer than 20 minutes. And frankly, you know? we can't just focus on Elizabeth because at this point in her There's life. There's not much to tell. There's not much story there <laughs> she's, anymore. She's got, the, she's got the dogs. <laughs> she loves a corgi yeah. and she's stiff upper lip. And yeah. that is fine. I was not missing her this episode. Um, <laughs> I will say, I guess to be uh, on the other hand, I did appreciate the idea of jealousy and how jealousy is sort of rearing its head is a, a big theme this season, read Charles and Will, because it probably does, and not to be a Peter Morgan Charles um, uh, simp, if you will, but you go from your, you know, your ex-wife stealing all of your thunder, being the talk of the town, being the princess of the world, and then you're like, okay, maybe it's my turn now, yeah. and then your son just, boom, just completely mm-hmm. eclipses you. That's got to be tough. Yeah, I mean, to the ex- and that kept going to the extent that a few years ago, there were calls for, for Charles to, to, to skip, to be like, no, I'm not. I'm going to abdicate before I'm even, mm-hmm. I even am king, because my son is much more popular, and he'll bring the crown into the future. So, yeah, Charles has just been at, like having this happen to him since Although I kind of feel like if that happens on the show, then Dominic West's like, no like courtly Charles would be like, ah, oh, yes, you're right. My time has passed. Like he doesn't. Prince Charles, the most emotionally attuned man. Yeah, like in like the world. The, like the the Josh O'Connor version is, you know, he's petulant and mm-hmm. he's petty and he is ambitious. And I, this this version of Charles is so Sappy. defanged in order in order to make him more likable, I guess. But I just think he would be a more interesting character if he had more flaws, more visible ones. Yeah, yeah. if he wasn't the audience surrogate, sort of being like, this is you know how people are feeling on the outside. I'm yeah. I'm. I'm a royal, but I actually know how everyone outside of the royal family feels all the and time, and I agree with them. It's a strange role to ask him to play when, like, as William points out, like, the destruction of the marriage was his yeah. fault. I mean, yeah, totally. There, totally. There were some yeah. good lines in that knockdown, drag out scene. I mean, the, the, you didn't drive the car, but you drove her into the arms of someone who did. Like, that's like, that's giving <laughs> literal like dynasty soap opera. It sounds yeah. like yeah. housewives. It, sound, it literally sounds like housewives. <laughs> it was, I was like, oh! <laughs> William screaming, I, I made it nice. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, basically yeah, yeah. what. <laughs> I mean, I think that, I don't know, I, I, that, that fight scene was good. But this is now the second time that the show has really heavily implied, or maybe third, that Diana was like really still very much in love with Charles. Yeah. And it's like, is that true? Yeah. Aaron <laughs> Vanderhoof, I mean, our, you know. our royal expert there, Aaron Vanderhoof, because I, I said that on an episode and mm-hmm. she's she's of the mind and I'm sure she'll come back on the podcast, but she was like, she really did love him. She was 18, but she really did love him. So, okay. but I also am like, eh. But you feel like Michael Bluth being like, her? Her, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't, yeah. And also, I mean, 
you know, if if a prince of England looked like Dominic West, he would be much more famous than anyone else. Yeah, hundred percent. Very true. Yeah, the Charles characterization this season, and even really last, something changed with the breakdance. I mean, that was really when when <laughs> it all went screwy. So isn't something always changed with the yeah. breakdance? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my experience, yes. Um, Electric boogaloo. But they really have tried to make him this sort of beating heart of the family, and it's like. I just don't see it that way from from the outside. From because I, I thought that kind of our I thought that the entire point of the royal family is that there is no beating heart. It was Diana, right. and then you right. know she was too too beautiful to live, and like yeah. now they're just kind of all all of these cold like sad people. And yeah. William is wholly uninterested in taking up the mantle of Diana in terms oh, of yeah. being the sort does of not want to be the people's sort, prince, right? Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. and maybe Harry would have, mm-hmm. but. You know, he was the spare, and so he went wild and, you know, did other stuff and went to, you know, became a helicopter guy, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That is a large portion of spare, (laughs) is Harry being a helicopter guy. Him and Lauren Sanchez, they should should hang out. (laughs) It's like 300 pages of him being like, guys, no, seriously, I was there. I was in it. (laughs) Oh, you meant a helicopter. I thought you meant literal (laughs) helicopter. No, but that that too. (laughs) Like, actually, I'm in the helicopter, and actually, it's a war, and I'm there. And I'm there, and And I'm in the war. I can't actually get hurt because nobody would allow that to happen, but I am when present. I'm, I'm present, and when I'm interviewed I'm and something present. happens, I'll run away from the interview yes. when something happens. Do you remember <laughs> that oh, clip? Oh, yeah. That's a great clip. That's a great clip, and yeah. he's in uniform, and then he's like, I gotta go, and he runs. I, I, was that staged? I, I have to about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of do want to read that book, but... Mm, me too. But after Britney's memoir, I'll do that. It is, it is a worthwhile read. I will say that I skimmed a good portion of the Army stuff. There is, like, a lot of him being like, ah, oh, Botswana, the only place where I truly feel like I can be myself like here among the elephants or whatever and you're like all right buddy okay. <laughs> i mean this whole family and it's not their fault because they were born into it are, are nuts you know yes. <laughs> like and i think at the at its best the crown shows that and there are glimmers of that in, in this episode but it's also just like really depressing mm-hmm. because i i don't know if william has found contentment but like he doesn't get out of this it it actually just comes to bear on him even more heavily well, you know? the danger richard is that he'll shut all of the pain away and it'll come back to haunt him later in life an actual line of dialogue from this episode <laughs> no. forgot that didn't write that down as one of my favorite lines but yeah i think that the text not subtext thing is is a good read yeah of all that this. really rang true Still as- enjoyable i mean you know enjoyable for reminding us of our own youths um mm-hmm. And also, uh, I learned from this episode that you can't visit Diana's grave, that it's like a secret special, like when William oh, goes. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sweet. So, yeah, just just access to the family, and that's a, yeah, it's a that's sweet, sweet moment. That was sweet. I want, a, I want a, another episode, maybe like two episodes from now, that's just uh, like an hour-long sci-fi about Kate Middleton being built to, 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 <laughs> to, to satisfy all the demands. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like, we need the perfect wife for the prince, you know. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I just, I don't know, I want want some more of that saucy stuff. And I do think that all the acting was good. Jonathan Price, great. Dominic West, great. I just don't know that this show is at its best when it's trying to do that sort of emotional excavation in a way that, like, over-explains it, I guess, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we, oh, yeah, we can infer all of this stuff. You don't have to state half of it out loud, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, like, we don't need Harry being like, ah, yes, I am the red-headed stepchild of this family, <laughs> right. as we both know. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And a lot of that. And also, you're making up a whole country, Canada? Yeah, I've never heard of that. About. <laughs> like, yeah. there would be a queen there? That would <laughs> be, that would be ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense. Absolutely absurd. Still Watching will be back in just a moment. And when we return, a conversation with actor Jonathan Price, who plays Prince Philip. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. 
And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices, and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So in this episode, uh, focused on the relationship between fathers and sons, from Philip to Charles to Prince William, especially uh, how difficult those relationships could be in William's teenage years. Yes. So we wanted to talk to the one person who brought peace to the House of Windsor in the episode, actor Jonathan Price, who plays Prince Philip. Enjoy the conversation. Wow, I will say, I got to say, Jonathan Price, this is really, this is so exciting to get to talk to you. I've been such a fan of your your work for so long on stage and screen. Um, oh, it's great. Thank and you. And this is such a, a really sort of uh, surprising episode that seems to be all about Prince William. But actually, in the last sort of, you know, quarter, the final chapter of the episode, it ends up being sort of this multi-generational story about fathers and sons. And Prince Philip really comes in and saves the day and heals the relationship to some degree between Prince Charles and his grandson, Prince William. Can you talk a little bit about um, Prince Philip's role in that and sort of what you what you thought when you got the script initially? One of the values of the crown and the, the scripts in general is that, yes, it's about a royal family, but it's, it's a, more than anything, it's a family saga. So what happens within this family, uh, I, it's mirrored in less elaborate circumstances in all our families. Mm. So in uh, this episode of The Crown, episode five, um, we see Charles talking to his parents about how he thinks that William is struggling to express his feelings. He asks Elizabeth to talk to William. um, And while he's doing that, the camera is focused on Philip. um, And he seems very contemplative. What do you think he is thinking in that moment? Well, he's thinking about um, what it was like for him as a young man when he experienced grief and the family loss. I mean, he, he talks about it, the, the loss of, uh, in the previous um, series, about the loss of his sister in the plane crash. Mm. Uh, um, and he grew up um, in a very disjointed family. He, he came to live in England with, uh, and lived, spent time at the Mountbatten's and was sent to boarding school. He didn't have a, a proper family life, and he did, certainly didn't have, he had a father figure, but he didn't have a father and I think there's something of the realization about his relationship with Charles that it, it wasn't a fulfilling one. It wasn't able, able to guide him or do very much for him. 
but he could do something for William. Mm. Uh, so you see him go on to be a very wise and kindly mentor for William um, and help him through the, the, the loss of Diana. Um, and th that's, that's the most telling part of this series. I mean, it, uh, as, um, as Chris said, it, it's, it's more about fathers and sons than anything else. So tell us about filming uh, that pivotal scene with Ed McVeigh when, uh, when Philip is coming to him and, you know, finds a way to connect. Well, it, it, it's, um, it is, it's a very simple scene. And I think that's why it's such a wonderfully written scene. It's, it's very spare. And it, it is just about dispensing wisdom and advice to, uh, to a younger man. And... Um, it was, it was very fulfilling to be able to to do a scene like that. And it shows you a side of Philip that, uh, well, the general public, uh, me included, wouldn't know he was capable of. Yeah, it was great. And it was, it was very nice working with Ed. You know, the, as an actor, there, there are times and situations where you don't need to talk about something. You don't need to say, you know, what do you think to the other actor? There's mm. no, no need for discussion. Because it is what, what you see is, uh, it could be me talking to Ed, you know, this is his first job almost as an actor from drama school. And you've got me, as I've been doing it for uh, 50 odd years. <laughs> so it's, it just felt very much like the older actor dispensing wisdom to the younger actor. It's interesting. We're now in the last chapter of The Crown. Were you a fan of The Crown before you joined the cast? Did you watch Matt Smith and uh, Tobias Menzies, their versions of Prince Philip? Or did you go in just, you yeah, know? Of course, I'd be, I, um, when it first appeared on Netflix, um, uh, at home with my wife, and uh, we said, though, the, the Crown is starting tonight. I wonder what that's going to be like. Um <laughs> Do you want to watch it? Oh, I don't know, really. Uh, for, you know, series about the royal family? I don't know. Uh, anyway, we said, that we'll give it one episode. And, uh, and of course, we saw that first episode. And we became completely hooked on it. Uh, and it was, it was a period, we've both been children. Uh, I was six when uh, the coronation happened and she became wow. queen. And um, I remember it was three days after my sixth birthday, and my family uh, bought a television set. There, were, there wasn't one in the street. I lived in a small village in North Wales, and they bought a television set with a tiny screen. I mean, this laptop I'm talking into was, is bigger than <laughs> And um, we had to be in the dark. They put up special curtains that they'd had in the war so no lights would uh, be seen from outside. And I'd been given a toy cannon that fired matchsticks. And I remember as the coronation coach was going across the screen, I was lying on my stomach as a six-year-old and firing matchsticks at the, uh, at the television set, at the new queen. And it's kind of, uh, it set my attitude to the monarchy uh, for some years to come. When I was asked to, play Philip, I didn't think, oh, I must go back and look at what Tobias did or Matt Smith did, because that isn't the way this series is approached. You know, every series, whatever, there's, there's going to be a new Prince Philip, there's going to be a new queen, and it's going to be 
my Prince Philip is going to be Imelda's queen. Um, so that the person I was trying to emulate was, was Prince Philip. You know, so it, there was no looking back and seeing if uh, if Tobias had a particular twitch or a particular vocal mannerism that I needed to copy. And of course, you, you you've got a sense of continuity anyway with uh, Peter Morgan's script. It's it's still whatever you do, it's still going to be his version of uh, of Prince Philip. Uh, have your attitudes toward the royal family changed at all since being involved in the series? I think no. My my attitude and relationship to the monarchy hasn't changed, but I think I've become more sympathetic and empathetic to individual members of the royal family. You know, because they they're going through many of the problems and issues that every family has, although not every family has their issues played out in a gigantic palace in beautifully handmade shoes and suits. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I, I learned a lot. I learned more about Prince Philip than I ever knew before. He'd always been, for me, a, uh, a fairly remote figure. I certainly gained quite a bit more understanding of him. And I think by the, for a lot of people in Britain, their uh, attitudes towards the royal family changed through Diana and through the death of Diana. And um, they became aware that the royal family weren't quite the royal family that they wanted. They wanted someone to show a bit more sympathy and a bit more, uh, a few more emotions uh, surrounding that death. Um, mm -hmm. Said so that there was a, a, a big gear change uh, for the public and for the royal family after Diana. Uh, on that note, I mean, you have some pretty intense um, scenes with Elizabeth Debicki as Diana in sort of the first part. What was it like, I guess, saying goodbye to uh, Diana and sort of moving into the second part, the last chapter, um, having, you know, spent all that time, you know, with Elizabeth? Yeah, well, um, sadly, Philip didn't spend uh, a lot of time with uh, Elizabeth uh, or Diana. But I remember when I... Um, we were filming in Scotland, and Christian, the director, had, had put together uh, a montage of some of the scenes they'd already shot leading up to her death. He showed it in a hotel uh, in Scotland to the cast and crew that were present. And it was hugely emotional for all of us. I remember I was, I was, I couldn't speak. Um, mm. It and I, I was crying, many members of the cast were crying, um, because it, it evoked so many of our emotions when it was announced that Diana had died. And I'd never cried for a member of the royal family before, mm. or since, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and it's, it was, um, so all that was, uh, was very, it was a very emotional time. And to see it, you know, you, you've seen it in the first four episodes of this season. It, it it is quite extraordinary, and Elizabeth as Diana is uh, is extraordinary. It's a, it is a wonderfully sensitive and um, performance of great integrity. I think you know it, she's uh, an impersonation, but not an impersonation. It's a she really embodies Diana. It's wonderful. 
still watching, we'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, we dive into our 90s time capsule. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Luna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Um, Okay, so it's time for a trip to our time capsule. We're still clinging to the 90s. It's almost at the very end. It's almost Y2K. But as of now, it's still 1998. And Natalie Imbruglia, uh-huh. tearing up the charts. Absolutely took mine. That's so good. <laughs> I love Charles attempting to connect with his son over that song of all things. You're a 16-year-old boy in 1998 or whatever it was. The worst thing that could happen is your dad putting on Natalie Imbruglia's <laughs> torn and being like, I like this one. Ah, uh, yes, lying like, naked on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Like, he didn't even say, like, oh, she's a dish. You know, he was just like, no, this song is great. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, it is a good a, song. What a beautiful, it is a, it's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. The pan out, a great song, a great cover, which we all have to say. Natalie Fun Brugler. fact, yeah. Fun fact, it's a cover. She didn't write it. But that really, that really set me. That was a little bit like, oh, come on. <laughs> you can you can criticize a very obvious needle drop, except when it is, I don't know. I think that that was a, was I, so I will accept that. I feel like Chumbawamba was like a little more like hitting you on the head with like mm-hmm. that episode of BoJack Horseman where it's like, this is a typical 90s song. Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It it serves some, you know, uh, dramaturgical purpose. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Tor- feeling torn, feeling, yeah. you know. As did those posters of the supermodels on Well, Williams that was good. Wall. That's my 90s moment. Yeah. Claudia Schiffer, Sidney Crawford, Naomi Campbell, uh, the three posters that William had, and then Prince Philip being like, in my day, it was Rita Hayworth, Betty Grable, and Lana Turner. <laughs> <laughs> you heard of those people? And he was like, no. It's, it's funny that, like, that conversation, that is a sort of more, like, grandfather grandkid thing Mm -hmm. like it would be awkward if Charles was like who are these girls you know yeah Yeah. Yeah, Charles being like in my day it was my horse (laughs) right right like does a teenage boy like put up supermodel straight like like beautiful glamour shots of supermodels or like I don't know. I I just feel like maybe he'd be a little cruder than that, but maybe not. Maybe he can't. He's at Eaton. It's fancy. They're going to check what's on his walls. Yeah, no, that makes sense. There were definitely posters. Sporting school, a lot of posters, a lot of girls on walls, I will say. That felt yeah. real. Yeah, right. Um, N- Natalie and Burley, as far as I could see, and that was just your dorm room. <laughs> that was, yeah. Wall to wall. It's a little yeah. classier than, like, the Pamela Anderson poster mm-hmm. that I imagine was on a lot of walls yeah. at the same time period. That pink Floyd right. thing. Yeah, all the yeah. Butts. Pam, that Pam was, Anderson, That that's yeah. kind of more the direction I was thinking, but, mm-hmm. um, but yet again, the crown just cannot stop using PlayStation as a marker of time. I mean, it was a big deal. Look, I'll, I'll admit it. So, so one of William's classmates offering to give him first dibs on the PlayStation. I, I would really cute. love to hear. I guess, I guess, what I want to hear is like uh, Princess Anne in her like royal voice say "Crash Bandicoot." 
<laughs> From your mouth to God's ears, Katie. There's still time. There's so many episodes left. Oh, also the rugby shirts. Mm. Yes, those really brought me back. So definitionally Prince William mm-hmm. from that era, but also just that era. I had rugby shirts. Yeah. And I, look, look, rugby shirts still look great. Like they I do. still they're like classic. Them, they're kind of coming They're back so even, 90s. But, yeah, I yeah. went I went to a private school and there were a lot of yeah. rugby shirts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, yeah. where, you know, everybody knew what rugby was. Right, yeah, of, course. of course. Right, right. Classic. Well, you're from such a wasp community. <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of Still Watching. As ever, you can find us on social media. I am on X and Instagram at Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. You can find me on those platforms as well at Christress. And I'm at Hillabuster with two R's. This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Emily Elias, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Jake Loomis. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer, and our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. Next up in your feed, episode six. See you in a bit. Ever wanted to go inside the Met Gala? I'm Cho Minardi, and this week on The Run Through with Vogue, we take you inside the world's most exclusive and glamorous party. We'll talk about the best looks from the red carpet and everything that happened after. Listen to The Run Through with Vogue wherever you get your podcasts.